Hi, and welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here to join us. We hope that this podcast inspires you to live life both for God and your city. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes. And remember to leave us a five-star rating. Enjoy the message. Today I want to talk to you about faith at work in your future. Faith at work in your future. We'll be in James chapter 4, finishing up there next week. We will finish this message series in James 5. Go ahead and read James one more time. Uh, James, today we're going to affectionately call him the blue-collar scholar. I really like him a lot just because that New Testament proverbial kind of touch that he puts on his epistle. And uh, there's a lot of really good words, faithful words for just practical everyday work. We're going to find ourselves in James chapter 4 verse 13. And um, as you get there, put a finger in that page, um, find that place in your, in your app, however it is you're, you're working your way through that uh, today. I want you to think about how you've looked at your future through the course of your life. Of course, when you were a kid, you didn't really know how the world worked. You wanted to emulate what you had seen. You know, your father uh, was so big and strong, um, your, your, everybody was much big. People were very heroic to you in the first, second grade or so. We wanted to be firemen. Um, we, we wanted to be police officers. We wanted to be uh, cowboys. Uh, we, want, we wanted to be astronauts. And uh, as life went, you know, we, we began to kind of assimilate the real world into how we looked at things and prepared for the future. You hit 10th grade and people began to, you know, look at you, see your personality, see your height, see the way that you worked, and they, maybe they would tell you what they thought you were going to do or you ought to do this. And 11th, 12th grade hit, you started having panic attacks because you were supposed to know what you're going to do with your life and you're about to go to college or you're going to go to trade school or you're going to get a job or you're going to get married and you just, but you know what, 11th, 12th grade, your brain isn't totally formed and you didn't know exactly what to do. And uh, then if you went to college, you, you, got a, you got a major. You got a major in something, and maybe you changed your major a few times. Um, you, you, you did the math, and you figured there's two, uh, two years' worth of general classes that you have to do. And so you're, 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 you're you know, doing the math on all of that. And then, then when you graduated with your art degree... <laughs> Then you just realize that that was just a fast track to the unemployment office. <laughs> and, you know, I don't know exactly what, what your path has been, but I think for most of us, there has been a process of trying to figure out what it is that we're supposed to do. And you, you ha- you're very idealistic about what it is you want to do. And, and, and sometimes we say, well, you know, money isn't everything, but let me just tell you today, to quote my dad, he would say, son, faith is one thing, but a roll of $20 bills is something else, you know. What he was saying is, that's really great that you have a plan and all, and you want to please the Lord and everything, but what you do has to match with reality, and if you can't put food on your table for your family, then there's, there's something wrong. And, and he was saying, I don't know that's faith. And, you know, maybe you've had somebody like that speak into your life, trying to encourage you, uh, you know, in, in your journey. I know for me, in college, I've, I changed my major multiple times trying to figure out, honestly, just to be honest, when I went to college, I knew nothing about how the world worked. I didn't know what major got you a particular job. Like I knew that education 
would get you a teaching job. That made sense to me. And, and I knew business would you get you a business job. And I thought like you, that meant you wore a suit and that sort of thing. And I remember saying over and over, I'll do anything as long, long as I don't have to sit in a desk all day long. You know, that kind of stuff, those, those kinds of things. And so people will, you know, I changed my major a few times. You know, I, I started, I think actually my first major was sociology and then I was doing pre-law and then I did pastoral ministries and and then I looked at it around the room and I thought, oh, I can't do this with these guys. I had to do something else. I went and got a communication major. Actually, as I, as I began to realize that, I, hey, I think I might be doing ministry, I actually changed my degree because I thought what I would do is I'd be starting a church and I needed something to put food on the table because there's, let me just tell you, there's no money in starting churches. <laughs> you start something else uh, if, if, you make, if you wanna make money or at least it's a really hard hustle to get started. And so then eventually I landed in a communication degree and, and it, that's actually how that did work out because Kelly and I moved to Chicago with about 14 of our friends from college and we started a church and I told you last week I went out and got a job at TGI Fridays the first day that I was there waiting tables and then I got a job in technology sales about you know a month or so after I got that TGI Fridays job and I was hustling that by day so that I could preach the gospel by night. But I'll, I'll just tell you this, man, I, I never would have been able to draw my path. And that's probably you as well. Is there anybody that says, I, it didn't go like I thought it would go. You know, you think it's gonna go like this, but it's like, <laughs> you know, yeah, you're doing everything you know to do, right? You're doing everything you know, you're like, what's going <laughs> I would have spun in a circle, but I, I didn't want to throw out my knee. So <laughs> it just, it, there's no predictability. There's no predictability when we plan our future. We have some goals and agendas. But if you're the kind of person that if you get taken off your plan, it's going to mess you. I'm just telling you, you need, really need in life, when you're looking at your future, Christian or non-Christian, you need to be able to expect the unexpected and be a flexible when it comes. I mean, Mike Tyson said it best. He said, everybody has a plan until you get punched in the mouth. And life has a way. Life has a way of giving you the unexpected. It'll take your breath away. And for those of us that are perfectionists, it'll especially mess with us. When we think we want things to be a certain way, and when they're not, we don't know what to do. Let me just tell you, nothing's going to be perfect. Nothing is going to go according to plan. And, and, and God still wants to work. In fact, it, it's, not even suppo- it's not supposed to be that way. If, if it's how you thought it would be when you begin, let me tell you, that would be a very boring and dull life. Our borders, our imagination wouldn't be expanded. There's people we would never meet. You know, we start out in life with thoughts and ideas that need to be stretched and people that we need to meet. We have, we're born into a world that's supposed to be expanded because God has a big world and he has a big plan for each of us. You know, we go off into the workplace. We have we have agendas for our career, and chances are whatever it is you studied is not what you're doing today. In fact, let me just ask, if what you studied, um, if you're doing something other in your career right now than what you studied while you were in school, would, would you just raise your hand? Just, just go ahead and raise your hand. It's, I mean, 
It's, you know, my, my wife, Kelly, she went, she got an education major. She has never taught a, a single day in the classroom. Now she's homeschooled. We've done that kind of stuff, but she, you know, she's selling Christmas trees to help orphans globally. It's just life has a way of dealing with us. And then, so we get married. Uh, I'll, I'll never forget in our second year of marriage, Kelly and I, we built a house and I was so excited. And I, laid there and I looked up at the roof and ceiling. I thought, all of these things are mine. This is my house. And, and I looked next to me and that's my wife. And then a cold sweat because then I thought, that's my mortgage payment. That's my insurance payment. I've got to feed my wife. I've got to raise my family. And I'll tell you what, when you get married, everything goes out the windows. When, window. When you have kids, everything changes because it's no longer about self-actualizing and feeling good and happy about yourself and having me time. Uh, you know, it's about feeding those little birds in the nest and, and clothing them and, and they, they grow like weeds. They're like locusts. They consume everything in sight and, and pra- praise God. <clears throat> praise God, finally they, they grow out of your shoe size. They're wearing bigger shoes than you, it's crazy. And, and so they're not stealing your clothes anymore, but now you're broke because you're buying even more clothes for these guys. And you just want to take care of what it is that God's given you. And it's, it's something that God places, you know, inside of each one of us. And then life goes on. And just as we think we get past one set of bills and there's a new wave of bills, you know, and you're, you're you know, the clothes and then there's college and, and then there's getting married. And, and some of you got lucky, but because you got all boys and you have no weddings to pay for. Some of us, 66% of our family, our, our wedding bills looming out in the horizon, you know? And, and then at some point there'll be medical bills. And it's just, there's a lot of things coming at you that cause your future to really be in flux. You hit your 50s and your 60s and you start thinking about retirement. And you start figuring out... Uh, Maybe you've gone and done the social security calculator online to see what you have. Or maybe you're watching your 401k or your 403b and you're doing the rule of 72 to figure out how you can catch up in your savings for what you didn't do in your 20s and 30s and 40s or 50s or 60s. In fact, the working population is getting older and older. For one reason, we're living older. Uh, other reasons, we're not saving money. And, the, and, you know, they, they meet. and then also, escaping work isn't what everybody's made to do. No, it's you. I just know this. When you look at your future and all the things that are out there, you really do need your faith to be at work in your life. And, and so I want to talk to you about that today. And I want to say if you fail to plan, you, you definitely plan to fail. But at the same time, plans are not all that they're cracked up to be. They used to say you need a five-year plan and a 10-year plan. But let me tell you, when 2020 hit, all the plans went out the window. In, in, in March of 2020, we had one week where we had five different major plans where we wrote websites. And did, I don't know if you remember the Sunday that we, just, we said, you know what, we're going to do churchathome.com and we recruited a bunch of home church pastors because they were shutting down the church and we're like people need to be preached to and bringing people in and they're like no masks and distance and all of this stuff we we just changed 
Because plans are, well, what is it Woody Allen says? If you want to make God laugh, tell him your, tell him your plans. I like what Dr. Fred Garman says. He, said, he says, blessed are the flexible, for they shall not get bent out of shape. <laughs> Pathway Church, plan. Submit your plans to the Lord, but remain flexible. James understands this challenge, and he really bumps us to right-size the way that we think about our future. And really, I think here's what he's doing is he's bumping us about our future to let us know who's in charge. He's letting us know that there are two things in life that are certain. Number one, there is a God. And number two, you are not him. And he's saying, remember your creator. He's saying, listen, there, there is a creator and there is a creation. And, and while you are creative because you were created in the image of God, you are not the creator. If you're doing anything creative, it's because you're reflecting the image and the character of God. But everything in our life is subordinate to God. So here's what I would say to the Lord today is I wanna do the very best that I can in my plans. But Lord, when you speak and when you move, let me let go of my plans so that I can move where you go. I have a friend, uh, he just celebrated his anniversary. Uh, Pastor Wesley and Jessica Weatherford, he's preached here before, some of our really great friends. And they were talking about one year that was a challenging year. And Wesley asked Jessica, said, are you, are you staying? And she said, I don't know. Talking about staying at home. Said, I don't, she said, I don't know. He said, well, tell me when you're going to go. Tell me where you're going to go because wherever you're going to go, I'm going with you. You can't leave me. When I think about the plans that we have there is nothing in my plans that I want to have more than I want to have Jesus. And that's true. How many of you would say that's true for me today? That's true. But if God required that off of us, how many of you would say that would be very difficult? Man, I, I want my stuff ordered. I want to organize my world. Listen, when we organize our private and personal world, we tend to have greater peace in our life. But sometimes God says, hey, let me just mess that up for you just a little bit because I know the plans that I have for you. And, and so I want us to be able to tr trust the Lord. For a lot of us, we view God as some kind of great cosmic vending machine where we put in our two quarters and, you know, we, we press B-52 and we want that spiritual snicker bar and, we, you know, we want that certain blessing and we want that uh, particular spouse and we want that particular spouse for our kids and we want all of these things. We, we, want, we want those things. We want those experiences. But God is not our cosmic vending machine. He is not subordinate to our wishes. He, he, he doesn't move at every beck and call that we have. He is our God and we are his people. And, you know, I, I thank God because there are precepts in the word of God. There are principles in the word, word of God. And there are promises in the word of God. Those if-then propositions in the scriptures, those are promises of the Lord. If we humble ourselves and seek his face, then we will hear from heaven. He will forgive our sins. He will heal our land. If we give, he will give. Men will give back unto us, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. These promises are real. But let me tell you, there are things that God has in store for us that we have no idea of. 
There are also things that Satan means for evil. There, there are things that we will do, repercussions that we will have from decisions that we make, sinful decisions and decisions that are not sinful. They just, every single decision has a consequence to the decision. Every, for every action, there's a, a reaction. And let me tell you those things that Satan means for evil for us, God will take and use it for good. There are things that we're gonna go through today. My goal for you today is to really drill this in your heart. Life is unpredictable. So stay flexible, serve God, and trust his plan. Trust him. Be flexible and honor the Lord for the journey. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21, the Bible says you can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. My desire is that I would stay as flexible in his hand so that as he's working his purpose, he doesn't have to work harder than he needs to work. Be as flexible as possible in that journey. So how is it that we make plans? Okay, there's, there's a couple things that I want you to see, something I want you to look at. How do we make plans? Hold essential plans tightly and optional plans loosely. Essential plans tightly, optional plans or less essential, or lower priority plans, loose in your hands. So I want you to think, tight fist, open hand. Closed hand, open hand. James chapter four, and let's start reading at verse 15. James says, what you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that, otherwise you are boasting about your own pretentious plans and all such boasting is evil. I, my dad took this very seriously. When I was a kid, I'd say, Daddy, can we go do this? And he would say, uh, yeah, we can, we can do that. Well, are we gonna do this? He would say, well, if, if the Lord will allow it, if it's God's will, I thought, man, that's a little extra. That, you know what I'm saying, is that a little extra? To you, but that's the school my dad came from. What he was saying is, don't make me promise something that I can't keep because if God has another plan, then I want to do that other plan. Now, I'll just be honest. As a kid, I was going, he just doesn't want to commit, right? And tell the truth, sometimes he didn't want to commit. In fact, one time my dad said, son, if you ever want to tell somebody, if they're asking you to do something but you don't want to commit to it, you can just say, you bet. Hey, you want to go do this? You bet. He said, it doesn't mean anything. I said, Daddy, that's the most deceptive thing I've ever heard you say before. <laughs> but you know what? I'll be honest, at age 49, I have now in my lifetime said, you bet. You bet. A couple times. A couple times. But he would say, yeah, if the Lord plans it, if he wills it. That's where this came from. See, uh, verse 16, otherwise you're boasting about your own pretentious plan. Say that with me. Pretentious plans. One more time pretentious plans and all such boasting is evil. See, planning isn't the problem when you read this passage. Pretentiousness is the problem. Plan, you better plan. Well, I'm a Christian. I, I, don't, I don't do that. Well, that's just about dumb. <laughs> not, not, not the plan. Now, I can go on a trip. I can go on a trip for a week, two weeks, three weeks. I can pack in like 10 minutes. Kelly's planning is another level. <laughs> it's another level. It's 
what about this clothes for this day? And then if it's warm, then I got this. And then we got this. I'm like, baby, if you forget something, you just go to the store, you know? Well, what if I don't have my toothbrush? We'll never see these people again. Don't brush your teeth. It's going to be okay. <laughs> just breezy. No, she's going to plan. She's going to plan. I'll show up for a three-week trip in a carry-on bag. How do you do that? You got like three seats. No, it's the same pair of pants, same pair of shoes, just a different jacket. Maybe two jackets and two shirts. That means four outfits. You know what I'm saying? I can get seven outfits out of five pieces of clothes. You know, we'll wash them when we get home. Nobody will know the difference. And then I don't have to check anything because when I check stuff, it ends up in Albuquerque and I'm going to New York. You know what I'm saying? That, that probably never happens to you. Plans, the best plans still have to meet baggage claim and TSA. That's all I'm saying is not all everything is in our control. Planning isn't wrong. In fact, the Bible tells us to plan. Listen to what Jesus says in Luke chapter 14, verse 28. He says, but don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building with first, without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Can I get an amen right now? Amen. Legacy people campaign. Don't forget to bring your pledges. We're still working through that. We still got timelines. We're still working on all that stuff. You better count the cost. Otherwise, verse 29, Jesus says, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money. And then, every, man, I'm getting stressed out actually now because of our building project. We're working on reading this, right? Don't worry. Airport campus is coming, is coming. You might complete only the foundation before running out of money. And then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started the building and couldn't afford to finish it. So God is not against planning. What he's for is he wants to be in the middle of the plan so that we would trust them in the plan. And when we've done everything according to the plan and we've had a dream about the plan and we know that there's a future and a purpose that even when our brothers throw us in a pit and tell our father that we've been killed by a wild animal and sells us to slave traders, we still know, well, you know what? My plan may have gone sideways, but God's plan is the greatest plan. And it doesn't matter if they throw me up because of what Potiphar's wife said about me. I know that they could throw me in a pit, but God can still put me in a palace, right? <laughs> That's encouraging today. Maybe it's encouraging to you because your plans haven't gone according to plan. How do you plan for an uncertain future in a historical moment filled with all kinds of uncertainty and change at more than at any time in history? Proverbs chapter 21 verse five says that the plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty. So you plan and you measure, and you plan, and you measure, and you correct, and you pivot. Any of you watch Alone on History Channel? The guys, they get dropped off in Alaska on islands. I watch that. I watch it. I love it. I watched a guy. He was unbelievably skillful in everything that he was doing, but he set off to build a log cabin, like Little House on the Prairie log cabin, and when you're out there, you're not getting the carbohydrates and the, the calories that you need. And about halfway through the project, he said, you know what? I think I took on too big of a project, but I just can't change the plan. Let me tell you, it was just about four more days. And he was hitting the button on the satellite phone for him to come and pick it, pick it up because the expenditure of calories was greater than the input of calories. And then he dehydrated, cramped up, and he couldn't do anything else. He was starving to death. And sometimes we just have to change the plan. 
because the things that you thought you were gonna do in life are different. The school you thought you would get accepted into, you didn't. The person you thought you were gonna marry didn't work out. The friends that were your friend group in high school isn't your friend group when you grew up because you grew up and they didn't. Let me tell you, sometimes you gotta move on. You gotta let go of seasons of life so that you can move on because God's plan is not for you to stay stuck. He wants you to grow in Christ for his purpose and for his glory. What do, we, what do you want to do? Do you want to be successful? Listen, I want to live up to my highest redemptive potential. I just want to do the best I can do with what it is that God gave me. I think that ought to be Pathway Church. We don't have to be like any other church in town. We don't have to mimic or imitate anybody else. We just need to be the best church that we can be for this city, for our families, for the people around us. That's the church God wants us to be. Not the cool church, not the white church, not the black church, not the rich church, not the poor church, just the church of Jesus Christ walking in his word and in the power of his spirit. So to be diligent in our planning, I just want to encourage you to read the books of Proverbs and the Psalms and Ecclesiastes and James. This is like wisdom literature in the Bible that will help you know what to do. When life comes, when circumstances change, when we lose a loved one, when we lose a job, when everything is upside down, you know what? That's the great thing about wisdom is because when you seek wisdom and you get wisdom, nobody can take wisdom from you. They can take your health, they can take your money, but they can't take the word of God planted in your heart and your life. And that's what leads and guides us and directs us. So what do we do? What do we do when we don't know what to do? Let me tell you, it's always the right time to do the right thing. When you don't know what to do, just do the next right thing. Just do the next thing that's right. I'll never forget sitting out on the front porch with my dad. They're at their house, and we were out there, and, you know, his cancer had progressed, but he's sitting there on his front porch at a house that he had paid for. It was totally debt-free, those big, beautiful trees out there. You feel a little cool wind coming in because it was about to rain, and it was just perfect. You could hear the birds kind of stirring and moving around, getting ready to bed down so they didn't get too, you know, messed up from the storm. And my dad looked at me and said, you know, Travis, this is the perfect place. It's just the wrong time. Because he was doing the math on his life and the way he thought his life was going to end, he had come to the realization that it wasn't going to end that way. And he was saying, I wish I had gotten here quicker. I wish I had gotten here to this moment quicker. He had a dream. He had hard work. He had given himself the ministry. When life got really difficult and Hurricane Andrew took his house and took his church and the church went from hundreds to 17 in one Sunday and I tried to talk him out of staying as pastor. He said, no son, if my church and my city, city ever need me, they need me now. They need Jesus now. They don't need a bunch of people running away. They need somebody to stay and to help. And I watched him. D, I watched my dad sleep under a picnic table for a little while. And I watched the National Guard move in. I, wa I, I, you know, I watched them put me up in a Sunday school room where I lived over the summer between my freshman and sophomore year. And I watched him flex with that. And, and then I saw him go and get another job to make up for some time lost and some money lost because of that situation. To come to the point where he should be able to rest in his life only to know that his rest was gone. He was now walking 
squarely in an unexpected and undesired season. And I watched him do it for the glory of God. See, I think that might be one of my concerns for each of us here today, for the church, for your family, for my family, is that we would walk in a season we want to be in rather than a season that we are in. And let me tell you, wherever it is, you better be there. You better be right where it is that God has you in that moment. There are a lot of really wonderful churches that are living in the past. Let me tell you, there are some churches that if the 1950s ever come around, they're going to be 100% ready. But we're not there anymore. It doesn't matter how wonderful it was. Well, I mean, I wasn't there. I'm just taking your word for it. The 70s. I'm a child of the 70s and 80s, you know. Neon colors and feathered hair and tube socks pulled up to your knees and fat shoelaces. I mean, if that was your flow, parachute pants, you walk too fast. Between the parachute pants and the corduroys, you could start a fire. Right there, you walk too fast. It's not a good thing when we get stuck in the past. God placed us in a moment, in a season. Your marriage may have fallen apart. You may have never saw yourself as divorced or single again, but here you are. Listen, get in the moment that you're in, and in that moment, however it is you got there, in that moment, you work in that moment for the glory of God. Some of us are stuck in the past, relitigating and redeciding decisions, they have, turning them over and over in our life, wishing that we could go back. We can't go back. It's behind us. Lay aside every weight that so easily besets us, that entangles us. Free yourself from your past and from your baggage and the wrong decisions that we've made and wrong decisions that other people have made that have impacted us. Instead, let's run the race that we're in right now, not a race that we wish we were in. Uh, we, can't, we can't even think about our future if we won't even accept where we are in this moment. We really need to trust the Lord in the journey. Close hand, plans. My relationship with God. My relationship with Kelly. My relationship with my kids. I'm holding tightly to that. The other things, my hobbies, my want-tos, my dreams, they're disposable, can change. A lot of things can change. We can do something else. You know, you may have lost that job. Something else comes up. You get another opportunity. Move on into that. Blessed are the flexible. They shall not get bent out of shape. But don't let go of the hand of God. Don't let go of the hand of your spouse. Don't let go of the hand of your children. Your children may be doing some things that are terrible and messed up, but you love them. You love them. Stay, stay with them. Encourage them. Now, now, when you do that, don't let go of the hand of the Lord. I've seen this happen so many times in the church. It's one of my biggest concerns for the church right now is that our kids get off doing other things, and rather than pulling them into Jesus, we let go of Jesus so that we can pull into them. Don't affirm the wrong decisions of your children in order to curry their favor. You are a parent. You're a father. You're a mother. Hold on to the hand of God. And when they get into a difficult place, listen, if you've raised them to know the Lord, then one day they'll come back to their senses, and you got a seat around your campfire for them. Hold on to this stuff. That, those plans, write them in concrete. Everything else, write them in pencil. You know, write it in sand. I, 
I used to think, you know, when I get this stuff off my plate, this next season is gonna be really great. And I'd get it off my plate and then I'd be busy again. I just realized I liked a lot of stuff on my plate. We need to understand what size plate God gave us. What's the calling on our life? And we need to understand what's on our plate that belongs to the Lord. What are the things that are just non-essentials that we can travel light? God wants to do a good work in your future. But if on your plate is a bunch of baggage, a bunch of fruitless exercises, a bunch of sideways energy that doesn't move you forward in your mission, in God's plan for your life, then we're gonna be tired and we're gonna miss out on what God has for us. And I promise you, God wants to work in you right now and in your future. He wants to minister to you. I wanna take you to Psalm 139 and verse 16 and I wanna close with this today. This is encouragement for me. I think it'll be encouragement for you. Because a lot of times I think if it is to be, it's up to me. I gotta make it happen. I have to make it happen. But God has some things he wants to do in your life. And he understands your life. He's ordered your life. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He's numbered our days. I don't have to worry. You don't have to spend your life worrying about covered up with health anxiety. Do you believe God holds your future or not? Can't we trust him? Can't we just trust him? Listen to what he says in Psalm 139, verse 16. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day passed. If we believe that our God is our creator and we're his creation and he knows who we are and where we're going, if he knows how many days we have allotted, why would we spend one more second worrying about the future and instead we ought to start living in the present so that God can do and achieve the maximum that he wants to do for his glory in our life in the places we wanna be or when we're sitting on the porch out front faced with a terminal sickness going, perfect place, wrong time, so that we can, we trust the Lord in those moments we can pivot into his perfect plan in that moment in every step of our life. That's what God wants to do in us. Today, if you say, Pastor, I, I really, I really wanna hold on to God's hand through every single season and every single stage, and I don't wanna get stuck for one second more as life di life's difficulties and life's challenges come my way, kind of pull me off track. If God wants me off track, I just wanna go with God. If you wanna follow him every single step of the way, would you just lift your hand, just as a sign of surrender, if nothing else, that God, I wanna trust you. I wanna trust you. Lord, we come to you today and we thank you for your good, strong hand in leading and guiding us. Lord, thank you for how you're at work today at each of our campuses. Thank you for how you're moving and you're shaping our hearts and lives. Lord, would you help us today so that we could trust you and we could follow after you? And Father, your purpose would be realized and a testimony of God's faithfulness would be demonstrated to the people that are around us. Father, the greatest change of plans that a person could ever experience 
is to change from being the captain of their own ship, the Lord of their own life, to being submitted to you and trusting you in their journey. Father, I pray for my friends here today that have carried the weight of leadership for their own life exclusively all by themselves. Lord, I pray that today you would arrest our hearts and let us trust you with every single step of our journey so that we would experience joy in you and so we would make you glad. We pray this in the good, strong name of your son, Jesus. Amen. We hope you've been blessed by this week's podcast. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes and visit pathwaychurch.us slash give. We'll see you next week.